the ideas, the leaders, the lives that are shaping Denmark and the world. From Blocks Hub in Copenhagen, Denmark, this is Global Denmark. Welcome back to the Global Denmark podcast. This week, we're bringing you a fascinating conversation where co-hosts Thomas Mullern and Brian Woodward interview CEO of Food Nation, Lise Velbum. In this episode, we take a deep dive into the agriculture in Denmark. We'll learn about its importance, Danish exports, and how the industry is using technology and cooperative ways to move to more sustainable solutions. We also learn about opportunities and challenges in the food sector, the role of Food Nation, how restaurants influence our food culture, and much more. Let's dive in. All right, when we think of Denmark, we think about things like windmills and bikes and uh, whatever, right? Hans Christian Andersen. But we should really maybe be thinking about bacon and milk, right? How big is the agricultural sector in Denmark? Well, it's really important. I mean, we have uh, almost 200,000 people uh, working within the agriculture and food sector. If we look at it on the uh, average uh, size of Denmark, I mean, we we really produce a lot. So, uh, so two-thirds of our area is uh, farmland and we do it in a very effective way so uh, the way we produce here we are actually able to feed three times the danish population which is around these five plus million people and this underlines also the fact that the agriculture and food sector is highly uh, oriented uh, towards exports and uh, what i would just like to highlight here is that uh, three quarters of the food that we produce is actually exported. And this way, of course, the sector contributes to the Danish uh, welfare system if you go in the high levels of this discussion. So it's just to underline that it is a really important sector. Do you know mm-hmm. anything about like BNP? Like how big is, is agriculture a- in Denmark today? Because at one point, Denmark was pretty much exclusively mm-hmm. an agricultural mm-hmm. nation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Well, uh, as far as I know, the latest numbers is around 5% of the BNP. So it's it's important. Yeah, it's bigger f- before, maybe getting to be a more diverse economy now, but still it's- pretty important. And, and one of the things that strikes me and one of the things you mentioned is that it's an extremely effective that's right. industry. If you can feed three times as many people as you actually need to feed in domestically. Mm. There's a lot of um, indications that you're doing something right. That's right. And um, one of the reasons that we have moved to this point is that we have been uh, focusing on being more resource effective for many years. Denmark was actually the first country in the world in uh, 1971 to build the Ministry of Environment. And this was uh, really interesting because it underlines the fact that we, from a very early start, have had a focus on how to balance the use of natural resources with the production systems. So this is this is one of the reasons why we are where we are today with a, with a focus on productivity and effectivity. So the fact that we produce more but with less input. So this is one of the principles, I mean, the DNA of the way we produce. 
So you, you mentioned, Lisa, that three quarters of the food produced in Denmark is exported. Who are we exporting to and mm. what are we primarily exporting? Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, we have a, a really big basket of uh, products that we export. And uh, luckily as well, we do export to a wide range of countries. Uh, I think it's around 208 different countries that we are actually exporting to. Uh, and so this is all over the world, obviously. Uh, some markets, of course, are bigger than others. And uh, it is still the closed markets, which are really big for Denmark. So our neighbor, Germany, yep. is very big. But certainly also uh, China is important. And the states are getting more and more important. Uh, England has, of course, uh, a very big importance and uh, looking into the situation with the Brexit, uh, yeah. we have some new situations coming up. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. W- and what are we, let's take Germany, China and the UK as an example. W- what's in the basket? Yeah. You mentioned, I think, bacon and milk before, Brian. Is, yes. is that what we're talking about here? Well, uh, I will really like to uh, use this conversation to maybe uh, widen up the impression of what is in this basket. Because, of course, we do have... Uh, pork meat as uh, the biggest exporter uh, and uh, maybe as a as a surprise for quite a few uh, also uh, seafood and shellfish is really high on the list and also uh, we have dairy of course so so we have uh, that and also we have um, beverage uh, quite high and a really interesting area also, which I think we should talk more about, is uh, is the ingredients area. So ingredients, uh, what is that? I mean, uh, just to uh, add a few words on that, it's um, something we all know about. It's an everyday life thing that we uh, meet. Uh, more than one billion people eat uh, ingredients from Denmark every day in uh, yogurt or bread and so on. So this is a really interesting area and it's growing. What are what are ingredients? What are we talking about? Are we talking about okay. chemicals or mm, grains? Or what, yeah, like what's it's flour? a good question. Like no, the... it's a it's a it's a natural ingredients. It's natural uh, enzymes, uh, bio solutions. So it's cultures that you add products, cultures, enzymes, which is added uh, the products in order to improve the products uh, composition and function. So. Giving you the example of the yogurt, for example, uh, this is what makes it possible to have it as a yogurt. So it's a bacteria culture that you add uh, in order to create uh, the yogurt. Okay, so it's really the R&D going into these innovative ingredients that's a differentiator for Denmark. It is, it is. And uh, it should be not only for Denmark, but for the world. And that's why I'm underlining the fact that more than 1 billion people is eating it every day. And also, uh, the really important information is that we are widening the use of these uh, natural uh, solutions, not only to uh, human feed, but also to animal feed, and also to be used in agricultural production in the primary sector, where these ingredients, these cultures, bacteria, enzymes, can be added to seeds, as you mentioned earlier, in order to make the seeds grow faster, mm. uh, grow even more effective, uh, grow better, and then you can actually reduce the 
the use of chemical substances in the growing process. So these uh, small, small entities of bacteria, enzymes, cultures, weren't they can you, really create. Weren't you telling me something, Brian, about, we were, of course, talking about beer. Yeah. Um, weren't you telling me something about what some Carlsberg did with, that actually changed the color? Well, you know, yeah, I do, and, and without getting too far into that, because I want to, I want to, want to get back to, to to talking about other things. But yeah, there's a lot of things you can do with like grains, and and that actually can be seen in the in the final product that's mm. produced. Um, I heard an anecdote from 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 Carlsberg that they're looking into, um, um, you know, how can we already at the at the ingredient level produce grains for our beer that will result in red beer or mm-hmm. green beer or blue beer, for instance. Exactly. Or grains that are more drought resistant or whatever it might be, right? Yeah. yeah. And that is one of the areas that that we have uh, built a, a really solid uh, position on in Denmark, uh, not only regarding the the plant area, the grains and so on, but also within animal sector. So we kind of look into how can we improve the development of animal and plants so they meet the needs uh, for the future? Yeah. Mm. So we have this big basket. It includes a lot of ingredients, and I can hear that that's, a big, that's kind of the cutting-edge stuff. Um, but the, no pun intended, but meat and potatoes of it, right? They're very important still. It's still the, yeah. it's still the, it's still the, the, meat. the, the meat and the butter that's, that's produced, right? right? And, and, and the milk, I mean, which... Uh, Danish Crown and Arla, for example, two of the largest food producers in Europe, if not the world. Um, um, and that brings up the question of sustainability and discussions about sustainability. And, um, you know, one could ask yourselves, uh, themselves, these are essentially not very green businesses, right? Producing dairy products, producing pork is, at its essence, not a really green endeavor. Hmm. And yet sustainability is something everybody's talking about. And it's something that in any strategy you hear coming out of these companies, oh, it's sustainability. But the question mm. is, is it, can they be sustainable? And then I think the next question would be, if they really did what it took to be sustainable, would that be sustainable in the broader perspective? Because they contribute so much to the Danish economy. Mm-hmm. I, I understand your question and, and certainly also the importance of discussing this. Because we are in a process where we need to look into how we transform our way of living and eating as you and me as consumers. And of course, also the companies, how do they produce? So we're talking about this animal protein and uh, also the the new trends regarding plant-based eating habits and so on. But what I would like to highlight here is that Uh, The animal protein produced the way we do it with the Danish-based values and expertise uh, based on the last more than 30 years of experience is far more sustainable than in the rest of the world. So this is why we need to keep up the high level of innovation and research in the Danish agriculture and food sector, also in Arla and Danish Crown. And then we need to share how we can produce the most effective and sustainable way at all. Because the fact is that we will become more people in the world and more people will demand animal protein 
also plant-based protein. But we need to convert these competences within sustainable production to other countries. Yeah. Can you give some examples? You say that the, the way Denmark does it is much more sustainable than other yes. places in the world. Mm-hmm. Do you have concrete examples? Yes, I have a, a, a specific examples. So if we look at the numbers from 1990 and up until now, in the primary sector, we have actually succeeded in Denmark by raising production volume with more than 21%. And at the same time, have we succeeded in reducing the total amount of greenhouse gases with 16%. So if you look like you look at if you can imagine yourself looking at a a graph uh, you can see that we have succeeded in raising production volume and reducing the climate emission gases. So we have kind of uh, cracked the code on how to do this. And and then of course the next good question would be hey what happened? Yeah. In how, that product, how, how, how what did, did you do happen? It? I mean, it's one thing yeah. to cite numbers, but what what what, what is has the, what, happened? What's going on? What are we going? What's going on? And yeah. and what is going on on farm level is that we are working very systematically with farm management. We are using uh, data. We are overlooking the production sites in every step of the value chain, from when you put the seed into the ground, when you harvest. Uh, all the input factors that you use, uh, and also in the same way in uh, the barns, in the stables where we have the animals, we are monitoring everything. So we have a huge collection of data, and we need to use these data intelligent. So we have a high level of technology usage. I think it's around... I can't remember it, but but Denmark is a, is among the the countries in the world where the farmers under the with the age under forty have the highest level of technology okay. in their use. Okay. So technology, innovative technology, certainly plays a good role. But also the understanding on farm management level and always investing in new technology, implementing this. So this is what's going on out there with with the kind of the technological algorithm that we want higher production but lower. Emissions. That's exactly. Part the, that's part of the equation now. It's a part of the equation. We need to implement all the new knowledge that we gain. And in that way, you should look at the primary sector as a really uh, important and a key factor to uh, to crack the code around uh, food and agriculture when, transition. You say primary sector a lot. What does that mean? That's the farmers. That's uh, okay. the farmers who okay. grow uh, the grain on the fields and, uh, and cultivating and and uh, ha- uh, handling the farm animals, uh, producing. People have their finger in the dirt. They have the fingers in the dirt, and yeah. and we just need to remember that they actually do it in a really professional way. Yeah. Um, mm. You you said that you know technology is a, a big thing, and then maybe that's the difference. Um, these things can be a little bit abstract when you talk about them, but. Are there two or three projects or a project that you think really illustrates, you know, how technology is being used in just completely radical ways mm. in, on farms, for instance? Yes. I mean, uh, one uh, area is the feeding area, feeding of animals, because feeding is one of the uh, really expensive areas. So when farmers can use big data, the, the very specific monitoring of uh, the growth of animals and so on, they can be 
so precise in what to feed the animals and when to feed the animals. So there will be no losses along this uh, uh, chain of feeding and growing. Mm. And it will be uh, the best way also if you look at animal welfare for the animals. Mm. So the monitoring, uh, big data usage and the cooperation with the suppliers is highly important. So data work with the suppliers of feed and and so on. So this is a really a good way of looking at cooperation. Mm. Now, when you're engaging with stakeholders in different countries, well, right now, what do what do they think of when they think of the Danish agricultural scene? Mm-hmm. Is this is this locked into their minds what we're talking about here with data driven insights and you know uh, high cutting edge ingredients in these things? Well, what what are What are some of the opportunities and the barriers that you're experiencing on mm. the ground? You said it yourself in the beginning. Uh, maybe we would be known as uh, producers of bacon, butter and butter cookies, if you also look to the Asian markets. And that is fine because it's really good products with a high level of quality and food safety. But we certainly have a challenge in order to widen the understanding of what is in the basket what can we actually uh, contribute with to the world and the transition the necessary transition because the agriculture and food sector does play an important role in the green transition so what we are working on is certainly to uh, tell the story about how the country uh, how the the danish solutions and products in general contribute to this green transition by technology, by ingredients, by having a lower level of uh, CO2 emission Mm -hmm. attached to them, no matter if it's butter, bacon or uh, butter cookies. So that is uh, what we are doing actually in in Food Nation. Mm. Is there a, um, if we think national cultural standpoint, is there a secret sauce here in terms of, you know, we talk a lot on this podcast about trust. Mm. And just the collaboration in general, is that something that plays a role here at all in terms of how the whole operation comes together? Yeah, certainly. And you also asked before, what 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 are the cutting edge uh, areas to the success on the farm side? Uh, I would like to say that um, when we look at Denmark, we have a really strong and coherent value chain. So the value chain is what's going on from the farm side to the food processing industry, the research. Hey, hey, Pardon? Hey, 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 yeah. My daughter doesn't burn her hair. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the fact that we are able to create really uh, solid and trustworthy links between the production is important. And the reason why we can do that, and that is uh, quite extraordinary for the Danish agriculture and food sector, is because we have the cooperative movement. Uh, and, um, you know, it was born in England and so on, but it was highly implemented within the agriculture and food sector in Denmark. In the 80, 1882, 1887, we saw Danish Crown and Ala being born from these values of a common ownership in the companies. And this means that it's the farmers mm-hmm. who owns the companies. Mm. So they're, they're the shareholders. They are the shareholders. They're the owners. 
They yeah, are, they are the, the owners, owners and and yeah. and this is they. You know, it's it's. Uh, they have uh, voting rights and so on, and they get paid uh, from the from the company. And this is one of the key areas and reasons why we succeed because these companies can go back in the value chain to the owners, to the farmers, and and this is a motivation of developing all the time, doing better, contributing to a better and more sustainable business. It's kind of this this uh, very quintessential Danish value of together we are stronger, right? Or, as you That's hear, as right. said, sometimes together mm-hmm. we go farther, right? That's right. Uh, it's amazing to me to look at the top 20 or 10 Danish uh, companies, biggest companies, three or four of them maybe are cooperatives. That's right. That's crazy. Yeah. Like really, if you mm-hmm. think about it in terms of any other country mm-hmm. that you have the cooperatives that can get this big, right? Yeah. And this and this powerful. So mm-hmm. there's something in the business model there. Yeah. Can that uh, be exported though? I mean, it seems so locked into mm-hmm. the DNA of Denmark, both from the historical. We're talking mm-hmm. 125 mm-hmm. years. Um, you know, are you in any dialogue where they say this is great? We love the Danish solution. It just ain't going to work here. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, some parts of the world are very far away from that uh, model of thinking. Also, the the thinking of how we work, and uh, not within the only the cooperative uh, way, but also across different stakeholders in Denmark, with the public and private involvement in this area. But the cooperative model can be exported, I would say. I mean, we have dialogues with uh, many different parts of the world. Uh, I could mention a few places in Africa uh, where, you know, the model of joining forces, uh, we have a good case within organics where we have seen um, the model of of sharing the ideas, creating a, like a cooperative and, and really using this to to build your business because the people see the value in sharing the different areas and benefiting of not having all the responsibility on their own, but sharing the risks, but also the benefits. Why don't we take a little break uh, and after the break, come back to the other end of the value chain, which I think is also very interesting. And uh, we'll do that in just a second right after these messages. Studying for an executive MBA at Henley Business School in Denmark is an intense and rewarding experience. If you want to achieve the best possible outcomes in business and in life, Henley can give you the skills and knowledge you need through the Henley MBA. For more information, visit henley.dk. All right, in the last segment, we talked about the um, people who have their fingers in the dirt. Now we're going to talk about the other end of the value chain, and that's, um, you could say the other end of the value chain, that's on the table, people who are are very close to those. And and over the last 10, 15 years, Denmark has become the culinary place in the world, right? Um, I mean, France is still there and Italy is still there, but, but a country that essentially had no culinary heritage whatsoever... Uh, all of a sudden became this kind of culinary powerhouse. Um, How did that happen? Well, uh, I think we need to go back to 2010, where we saw a huge movement in Denmark with the 
new Nordic perspective being created uh, and a lot of uh, really inspiring chefs uh, gathering and defining this uh, manifest uh, yeah. of the Rene, new Nordic Rene, Rich Sebi and uh, Klaus Meyer, among others. And this has uh, created the basis of uh, inspiration to a wide range of uh, people in the gastronomic sector. And it has certainly developed over the years. So it's not only about fine dining. Uh, I think that's really important for all of us to to tap into that gastronomy and these culinary experiences is not only about fine dining because the perspective is really how can gastronomy also contribute to a more sustainable world. So uh, this is really interesting. But there's this wonderful scene. I don't know if you guys remember this movie, The Devil Wears Prada. Do you mm-hmm. remember this? Oh, there's yeah. this wonderful scene where, where Meryl Streep's assistant – uh, who thinks this is all ridiculous. She's now become in this fashion industry in New York, and she says, why do you guys go and discuss this shade of blue or something? Yeah. And at some point, Meryl Streep answers her in, in the way that she can, right? That um, the thing you have to understand is, even though this may seem completely esoteric to you, next season, this is the blue that every housewife in the world is going to be wearing. And I mean, isn't there a role... Uh, in the culinary industry that's similar to that. Mm. Yes, I think it's uh, quite you, good and funny. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, thing, the, the things that, that are happening at Noma or at uh, yeah. Geranium or some of mm. these, they're the world's really best restaurants mm. um, here in, in Copenhagen. Those trickle down, don't they? Yeah. I mean, uh, I think it has to do with the, 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 the very brave and curious. We have a high level of curiosity and, uh, you know, they, they push the, the borders of what is actually possible and they challenge us as consumers. And this is what we need. I mean, we need to uh, take new steps uh, in order to change our habits, uh, not only as consumers, but also on businesses. And what we see is actually also that the gastro area is working quite close together with the industry. So we have a link between this uh, challenging way of looking at uh, food and agriculture between the high-level restaurants and the inspiration they create and, and give birth to and, and how it can be um, also transformed into industry products that you and me can maybe buy in the supermarkets. So this is really interesting, I think. Looking forward, what, what does a win look like for you guys at Food Nation? I mean, what is the, what is the future here? Mm-hmm. Well, certainly the future is that the experiences that we have in Denmark on sustainable agriculture and food production can be shared with the rest of the world because we are among the best in the world. And even though we are such a small country, we have high expectations and we are willing to take responsibility. And we need to take responsibility being such an important agriculture and food uh, country. So we need to do that because we are among, we are world-class producer. And what and does that do then? That that obviously embeds that into the national brand. Mm-hmm. But from an economic standpoint, 
Are we looking to export more or yeah. is it a more of a branding exercise? No, it's certainly also about exports. We need to uh, widen the basket, as we talked about earlier. We need to uh, get our ingredients out there. We get get, and also the competences, technology. knowledge and competences. We need to share that. Uh, so we need to develop agriculture and food production in other countries in a more sustainable direction as we have the the substantial experiences uh, here in our part of the world. And I know many countries are in very different uh, levels of development, yeah. but we well, need to... I was to curious in terms of Denmark, uh, contra the other Nordic countries, mm. could you say a word about our friends yeah. in Sweden, Norway, Finland, mm. etc., where they are with us? Well, regarding sustainability, I mean, uh, if you look from China to this part of the world... It's, it's quite difficult to see differences. So we have a task in differentiate ourselves if we are looking at exports, of course. But I think we should not be afraid of sharing values with our Nordic uh, cousins because, you know, we have a, a common goal and that is a more a sustainable food and agriculture production. And yeah. this is what we're sharing. Uh, and we have a high level uh with the with the other nordic countries so it's it's okay i mean yeah. but we do need to uh, always, differentiate yeah, ourselves that balance yeah. between nordic sharing and yeah. differentiating yes that's right i think uh maybe one thing that we also share with the i mean finland of course <laughs> that is actually uh the level of trust and um and uh, you mentioned that earlier and uh, just recently the the international organization Transparency International had this um, report uh, highlighting where do we see the the corruption index in the world, and and once again Denmark is in the bottom, so to speak, with the lowest corruption That's level. That's where you want to be at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, and and this um, level we share with Finland, as I said, and also New Zealand, and and it's a quite interesting number to to take a look at because I think this uh, low level of corruption is a fundament for creating trust, of course, and this is a key to a high level of innovation. And we need to keep a high level of innovation if we shall take responsibility and contribute in a sustainable could you, way. Could you elaborate just a little bit there? So yeah. Trust is the key to innovation. I think that's so. A, that's a statement there. Mm, it's a statement. And I think it's quite clear to me because it's about the the culture of collaboration again. If we trust each other, no matter if you are blue-collar worker, white-collar worker, no matter where you are in the organization, we trust each other. So we have very flat organizations in Denmark. So we listen to all the good ideas and we need to incorporate all these good ideas in the in the next steps for the future. Otherwise, we'll never, never succeed reaching the United Nations yeah, Sustainability Goals. Right? You, you, you unleash your creative <clears throat> potential when you're in a psychologically safe environment where people trust processes, trust that things will happen like they say, and they're more willing to use their voice to come up with creative ideas. I see, I see that, yeah. So we see um, one good example on this is also, you know, uh, when we face huge challenges uh, in Denmark, we, we are not afraid of going into a room with the with the different stakeholders in that area. Take take an example uh, from uh, the 70s, the 80s, where we had huge challenges in Denmark with the salmonella 
I mean, this is a this is a problem for so many people, uh, for the farmers, for the food processing industry, for you and me as a consumer. So we need to find solutions. So how do we find the solutions? Well, we bring all the competences in the same room. We bring the researchers, we bring, bring in the government uh, officials who have the uh, inspection programs. We bring in the farmers, uh, the private organization and the companies who support every step of the value chain. It's amazing too, because you know we we did a podcast on Macht Eliten, mm-hmm. uh, our guy there. elites. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and um, yeah. He, he said one of the key differentiators with Denmark was that there was a diverse, um, not diverse in the sense of uh, gender and uh, ethnicity, but diverse in terms of bringing different stakeholders to a table, which doesn't exist in other countries. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd imagine with the salmonella discussion, it also helps that there's not a lot of lawyers in the room. Right? Probably. <laughs> Probably that's <laughs> Telling right. people what they can and can't say, right? Yeah. From the very beginning. Because yeah. you know, people need to be open and be able to discuss these issues and where the problems might be and who yeah. has responsibility yeah, for more them. relational, less transactional. Yeah. And and respect yeah. the different perspectives. I mean, you can be you can really disagree with each other in that room, yeah. but you need to respect that there are these differences and then you have to work on finding solutions from there. And that's what I think we have uh, several really good examples on. Uh, If we get back to the agricultural sector, just to kind of round this section off, um, looking ahead into the future, 20, 30 years, what are the biggest opportunities? Hmm. Well, uh, looking at exports, I think we have huge opportunities uh, within the green transition, within the sustainability area, and we should highly use this. Uh, in Food Nation, we do we do our inside report every year on our main markets, and um, we uh, kind of uh, ask only business-to-business um, business, uh, decision-makers, how do they think of Denmark as an agriculture and food nation? And uh, we know there is a huge potential in raising the general awareness about this. But we do know that when they look at us, they kind of expect that we can deliver on sustainable products and solutions and also on technology solutions that can support their own development within sustainability. And of course, this is the areas where I see uh, quite huge possibilities. And we do see differences among different countries. For example, the States, they don't know much about Denmark when we look at sustainability. So we have a huge task in raising awareness in the States about what do we actually, what are our competences within this area. But yeah. What about threats? What are, what are, the, what are the big challenges? The big challenges regarding the sector in general or the export uh, development possibilities? Yeah, so, I mean, what are the hurdles, you know? I mean, hurdle, to, really, to mm. really make that happen, mm. you've been tasked with um, telling this story of, of yeah. you know, Denmark's um, agricultural expertise and selling mm. these yeah, companies. The USPs. Mm. But, but there must be some, some risks out there. There must be some things that, yes. that, that we need to make sure don't happen in order to be able to... Yes. Yeah. Well, the the challenges is that uh, also accelerated by COVID, uh, countries are getting more and more focused on their own uh, suppliers and so on. They're closing up, um, so we need to be very sharp uh, on the USP on our unique selling points. And 
So we need to investigate all the time. And uh, all companies, all stakeholders in the value chain need to be very specific on that. And and where we see still opportunities is uh, within low environmental impact. This is where we can uh, deliver sustainability, animal welfare, organic farming, and also the collaborative model. So uh, countries uh, rate Denmark on this area higher than their usually own competences. So this is where we stand strong. Yeah, it makes sense when they're doing a pestle analysis that they would want to look at Denmark as a potential partner. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we take a quick final little break and then we're going to come back and wrap up the podcast today. Mm-hmm. Lisa, what can Denmark teach the world and what can Denmark still learn? Well, of course, uh, being a small country, we have a lot to learn from the rest of the world. I think we need to, uh, you know, we have always been a small and open economy and we need to be that. Otherwise, we, we will never uh, continue our our journey of development. Uh, we need to uh, learn uh, continuously uh, the value of um, diversity. I think we have a lot to learn on that area. And um, it, even though it's contradictionary to, to what I say, that we are very good at discussing and including different perspectives, I still think we have a lot to learn on, on diversity and, and respecting all the time, being open. To new ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is what I would hope for, that we will continue to learn from uh, the rest of the world, understand that other places in the world are at very different levels that we are. So we need to continuously look at who are we meeting. Uh, I mean, uh, looking at the development of, uh, of um, Ethiopia is uh, very different from the development in uh, in Denmark and our part of the world. So we really need to be learning on these uh, different stages. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, excellent. And do you uh, do you have any uh, a book or any books you would recommend for our audience that mm-hmm. um, relate to what we've been discussing today or that have inspired you personally? Yes, uh, well, uh, <laughs> that was one of the hard questions, actually. Uh, you know, but I think uh, I've been uh, around a few, maybe uh, crazy ones, but this was what came up in my mind. Uh, you know, I'm a mom to to twins on 11 years, so um, that's what's uh, high in my mind and uh, what also go back to my own uh, childhood. So uh, Astrid Lindgren and Brødrene um, Løvehjerte, the Oh, yeah. um, Brothers Lionheart. Exactly. And uh and on that you're showing that in Copenhagen now as a theater. Yeah, play. it's a theater right yeah. now, yeah. And and on that note as well, uh, I would also like to highlight uh, JK Rowling, Harry Potter. Oh. Because uh those two uh, universes is about keeping up your ability to imagine change and and uh motivating yourself to take action and and change. And this is what uh, inspires me in these uh, universes of J.K. Rowling and, and uh, Esther Lindgren. Um, That's yeah. interesting. You know, one of the things I've always um, thought about, for instance, we talked about the new Nordic movement mm-hmm. before. I would go so far as to say a big part of its success was storytelling. Mm-hmm. 
was the ability to create a story, to create a universe, right? And could we do that in food and could we do that in technology and could we do that in so many other things to really spark the imagination? I think there's really something to be learned from mm. P.B. Long stocking or exactly. the Brothers Lionheart yeah. or yeah, J.K. That's Rowling, Harry yeah. Potter, right? Yeah. I have a few more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll right, give us give us one more. <laughs> one more. Well, that's uh, then uh, no the the one I was uh, it's it's back in the 1887. It was the uh, Brundtland report on sustainable development. It was the first time sustainable sustainability was defined. This has really oh, affected wow. uh, my whole uh, uh, life of uh, education and uh, and working. So this is this is really that's, important that's, to that's me. That's the, the Bible of sustainability. It's a Bible. It's a Bible of sustainability. What, what, is this uh, translated? Is it only in Ah, yeah, I, I think it's translated several what, times. Brundtland Rapporten, the report of Gro Harlem Brundtland. She was um, okay. the commissioner of um, the United Nations at this time. And actually, I met her uh, two years ago and I was completely starstruck. <laughs> now, I got to ask you though, is it readable? I mean, is it this is beach readable. Reading? No, yeah. it's not beach reading. Okay. It's okay. not. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and then the last one is um, the Danish Rane um, Villerslev. Uh, Think Wild, uh, which I also think is really interesting to bring into this discussion. He's uh, a director of the National Museum here in Denmark, but also a researcher and and uh, anthropologist. And uh, he has brought in some really interesting perspective in how to think wild in your daily work, bring in new methods, uh, accept different perspectives. This is how you gain new perspective in your worry. And I think that's really inspiring. Well, I think um, on that note, that's a great place to leave it. And we, we support that thought process and the, uh, it's a very interesting mission you're on. So best of luck going forward. And thanks for coming by today, Lise. Thank you very much. Are you getting the most out of your time in Denmark? Pick up the printed copy of the English language newspaper Copenhagen Post today to access relevant news and event information guaranteed to enhance your working and family life.